Hey, welcome back to E-Crime Bites Season 2, Episode 3. And this is the boasting fraudster, J. Nicholas Bryant. So we're on Act 2 now. So if you haven't seen Act 1 and you want the background, and I promise you, you do want the background, I recommend backing up and seeing Act 1 if you haven't seen it already. Because in this act, we're jumping straight into Bryant pleading guilty because... He was caught for an extreme, extreme amount of fraud where he was defrauding aviation companies, limousine companies. He defrauded a limousine driver personally to pay for some of his hotel rooms. Um, he has cars fraudulently. He got his home built fraudulently. He did everything fraudulently and the law caught up with him. He pled guilty and now we're going to talk about that. So one of the things that we talked about, and I say this for our listeners that are from outside the U.S., is usually when you plead guilty, you don't know what you're pleading to sentence-wise. And then you go to a sentencing hearing where you basically make your case to say, hey, please, please, please don't give me a really harsh punishment. And then the government gets up there and goes, he needs a really harsh punishment because of all these reasons. And there's that civil argument that happens and then the judge usually goes away comes back and gives their sentence so we're in that phase right now where there's arguments being made for and against bryant either spending a long time or not any time in prison during this process we find out that there's a whole hell of a, a lot more fraud that we than we even know about. He he basically went up there and said, you know, the information that you have in this document that does it doesn't even cover what it is that I've done in my past. It's not a complete accounting. But then they jump into the topic at hand, which is all the fraud that Seth and I have talked to you about. At this point, this is the information that um, you eventually get at one of these plea deals. Now. What I want to do is tell you that there are a lot of victims. I'm looking at two slides worth, and I say slides as in like a PowerPoint slide type of thing, where each line of a chart on these on each slide is a victim. The restitution for each victim ranges anywhere from, oh, if I just scan with my old eyes, I see anywhere from about a quarter million dollars actually over a quarter million dollars to the home company to about $2,000. Nope, $200. So anywhere from about $200 up to about a quarter million dollars. And I'm guessing maybe 50 victims. And I'm telling you these summaries because we're not going to go through all of them. I'm, we're going to go through a couple that are going to be pretty interesting that I, when I saw them in the court document, I was like, Pete, I call it rich people shit. Like I didn't even know these things existed until I saw it in a, in, in a court document and you'll have to hold on to see what I'm talking about. So Seth, okay. as the lawyer, walk me through. So when I did this research, I cut this out mainly for you to talk about, which is when he pleads guilty, I wanted the audience to be able to understand what he's pleading guilty to. And the government says these are and I don't even know if I'll have the right term, Seth, so correct me if I'm wrong, but basically the facets. Of yeah, I mean, the term the, is elements, the right? 
It's elements. So in order to be charged with a crime, the government has to prove that you're hitting every element of the crime. And this is usually very, very well documented, either directly in the statute or, you know, supplemented by years of case law. Right. So here the government charged Mr. Nicholas, Mr. Bryant, rather, excuse me, J. Nicholas Bryant, um, with wire fraud, which is a fairly broad, uh, wide ranging set of basically anytime you defraud another party, uh, and money has changed hands, it really kind of falls under the wire fraud clause. And there's several elements to it. And they go through the elements, and these are in the court documents. So, um, and, and obviously, Brian had to admit that he uh, met every element, otherwise he wouldn't be able to plead guilty. So first element is that the defendant knowingly devised or intended to devise any scheme to defraud. Right. So it can't be like he had no idea what he was doing or he did it in good faith. It has to be that he knowingly devised or intended to devise. So here, the fact that he had no money or never had any intention of paying it is there. And it's harder to it's harder to um, prove than you might think. Right. You know, this is what you're seeing currently with um, the Trump indictment on January 6th, whereas if he truly and fully believed that, you know, he was defrauded in the election, and, you know, you can't get him on some of these counts. And so obviously actions go into it. But that's the first element is that you had to knowingly intend to do this. And the second element is that the scheme to defraud uh, employed false material representations, right? Did you bullshit somebody? So by, by saying, yeah, the check's in the mail or like, oh, it was just paid or the fact that he, ele- that he used QuickBooks certainly meets that element. Um, the third element is the defendant transmitted or caused to be transmitted by way of wire, radio, television. Wire is an old-fashioned term. Generally, now it's done by the internet. Uh, in interstate or foreign commerce, a writing, a sign, a signal, a picture, or sound for the purpose of executing. So here, by using QuickBooks and by sending text messages and emails and phone calls and whatever other means that, uh, in terms of at least for the uh, the facts that we saw on the uh, defrauding of the um, the charter company clearly met the elements of this, uh, sorry, the this specific element. And I'm sure of the prior slide where we saw all the different other entities that he defrauded, they might not have had all, um, him on all these elements, but I'm sure they had him on most of these elements. The fourth element is that the defendant acted with a specific intent to defraud. Uh, that's actually really similar to the first element, but it's a little different because one is, you know, did he have a plan up front versus in you know the fourth element did he actually go forth with the actual fraud knowing that it was going to result in you know uh, another party being defrauded so on november 1st of 22 so about a year after the uh, charter plane incident um he pled guilty he pled guilty to a single count of wire fraud which uh, got him off real easy because there were clearly dozens of counts um, the max sentence here would be 20 years. The max fine is $250,000. Uh, and he, um, the max supervised release that somebody could get would be three years. He had to pay restitution. He has to pay cost of incarceration, which is kind of weird. I've never seen that before. Um, and there has to be obviously forfeiture of the property. Yeah, I thought that cost of incarceration. I saw that and I was like, wow, that was Yeah, weird. I've not so seen that before. That, that's Maybe that's specific to... Um, yeah, that's unique. I've not seen that before. All right. So we get we talked about this a few times in our season one, which is in the supervised release. Sometimes that mandates alcohol or drug treatment or mental health treatment. And I made a comment in an earlier episode. I said, 
hey, maybe there's some information earlier on in the case that led to this being mandated in the release. And I found it in this case. I actually saw it in the transcript. I was like, oh, hey, I'm going to talk about it here because we've been talking about this all along in season one, which is there was the guilty plea hearing and the judge says, sir, have you ever been hospitalized or treated for narcotics addiction or alcoholism? And Bryant said, yes, sir. And the judge said, how long ago and for what condition? And he said, one year alcohol. So that could lead to those, the conditions of supervised release that we talked to you so much about. And this would be the, the alcohol treatment part. And then you say, well, what about the mental health? Well, there was a question and answer session about that too. He says, do you, have you ever been diagnosed with any emotional or mental disability or problem? Yes, sir. And he says again, what was the diagnosis and how long ago? Depression, anxiety, 10 years ago. Are you taking any prescribed medications for those conditions? Yes, sir. And are you taking them as prescribed? Yes, sir. So again, that could lead to those conditions where it says, you know, the person has to attend the mental health treatment. So, okay. So on November 9th, we actually have the guilty court plea hearing. So the court documents indicate, and this is interesting. Um, the court told Mr. Bryant, um, as I indicated to you earlier, you have the right to enter a plea of not guilty in this case and to go to trial. And if you were convicted, you could still appeal the conviction and whatever sentence the court imposed. And paragraph 12, your plea agreement contains a waiver of that right. So do you understand in paragraph 12 that you're agreeing to give up your right to appeal or to otherwise challenge your conviction and or sentence except in the limited circumstances described in paragraph 12? Says, yes, sir. And the court asked, did you voluntarily agree to give up your right to appeal or to otherwise challenge your conviction with that single exception in paragraph 12? But you said, yes, sir. So, so now we out paragraph 12 for you. Yeah. So what is paragraph 12? What is the what is waiver of right to appeal otherwise challenge sentence? So the defendant waives the def his own rights, which is conferred in the U.S. Code to appeal the conviction, sentence, fine and order of restitution or forfeiture in an amount to be determined by the district court. The defendant further waives the defendant's rights to contest the conviction, sentence, fine, and order. So when he pleads, he pleads. Now, however, there is a, uh, a clause here that states the defendant does reserve the right to A, bring a direct appeal of a sentence exceeding the statutory maximum punishment. So if they give him 25 years, right, and we saw previously that the plea was for 20 years, he can appeal that. Or if there is some kind of arithmetic error at sentencing, um, or he can challenge the voluntariness of the defendant's plea or of guilty of this waiver, which would really be, I guess, part of the Fifth Amendment uh, and Fourth Amendment, um, and to bring a claim of ineffective assistance of counsel. So that's a, a fairly broad defense, which doesn't really happen that often, which you can say, it wasn't my fault. My counsel did a terrible job of telling me what the rules are and so forth. And that usually gets waived as well. But that, I guess, was his out should he have continued to go forward here. Yeah. And then the court says, hey, before you do this, are you really, really sure? Because if you say you're guilty, it's a felony and you're going to lose a whole bunch of rights. You're going to lose your right to vote, right to hold public office, right to serve on a jury. And then I was sitting there going, oh, my God, that's all I got to do to not serve on the jury and say I'm a convicted felon. <laughs> Thought thinking about it, and the right? last one, the last one is to possess a firearm. And then he says, yes, sir. So 
at this hearing, then they decide, okay, the guy's pleading guilty. What are we going to do? Are we going to hold him? Well, come to find out he's already being detained in another state matter. So what we've been talking to you is about a federal matter. He had a state matter that was also going on at the same time. And because of that, he was already in jail slash prison. So they just kept him there now. And they kept, they held him, but they also held him without any type of bond. And I thought it was pretty interesting that in the paperwork, they actually said he's a serious risk, flight risk. of flee. Yeah, I guess that's you know, true of, since he can very quickly get a flight, right? We saw that. Yeah. And so basically the government says there is literally no condition we can think of possible that'll hold this guy around for trial if you were to let him out. He has to stay in prison while we figure this criminal process out. And because of that, the the court agreed with him. The court said, you know, even if I were to let you out at this point, there's other cases that you would be in for. So we're not even going to debate it at this point. You're just, you're in, you're, you're in jail at this point. And so if you want to just put yourself in Bryant's shoes, right? You just, you've been flying around the world doing a bunch of cool shit. And a lot of this cool shit we have not even told you about yet. Okay. Because it's coming as bits and pieces are coming to you in the story. I'm not just going to give it to you all up front. There's a bunch of other cool shit that he did when he was flying around, but now he finds himself just sitting there just sitting in his jail cell going, what should I do with my time now? I know I will talk to the daily beast from jail. And because of that, the daily beast writes this article on Mr. Bryant. That's just it. It it's basically him just saying, I did all this stuff. And I will tell you, I rarely like to use news as a source for this podcast, I try to use the court document as much as possible and news only when I need to fill in gaps. This is the one exception where reading the news, you're going to just, you're going to fall off your chair just like I did. And, and hold on just when you think it gets bad in this case, it just, it continues to get worse. And we have this article and we're going to read it to you. And it, and uh, of course you're going to hear Seth and I make comments about it. Like we make comments about everything else. And hopefully it'll be funny and you're going to see how much it affects your case talking to the media before your case is decided. Okay. When attorneys say don't talk to anybody, they really mean don't talk to anybody that includes other attorneys, media, anybody. And you will see how this comes back and bites them. So if you liked anything in this podcast, please, if you're on Apple podcast, give us a five-star review. If you are on YouTube, give us a like. Give us a subscribe. If you're on any other app, whatever that app is, whatever the like function of that app is, whatever that equivalent is, please give it and subscribe on any of those apps because each week we bring you a new case and then we chop up the case over the week over several acts. And we just finished with act two and we're leaving you hanging on act three because Bryant, he's going to talk to the daily beast and basically this is where the shit starts flying in this case and it's going to be just buy a hat hold on and come back to act three because it is that intense 
So thanks for sticking around and we will see you on act three. Thanks. Bye.